1: Welcome to it, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, kicking off another week. Kicking off a new month. I have deemed this month of April Entertainment Month, my God, the culmination of so many things, if you've been paying attention to them. Alongside me this evening, as he usually is on Mondays, Troy, how you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. Like, I am looking forward to this month. What is your expected ratio for
0: a, a, a well-entertained month? A good to bad program. I
1: don't know if I could put it into a ratio.
0: No math, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a math guy. You're gonna take it as it comes, right? And if there's too much bad TV, I'm hoping that like medical marijuana bill in the Alabama legislature that's probably gonna be introduced soon passes, so I could go to the doc and be like, "Yeah, there's a lot of bad TV on. Is there anything that you got that could help me like enjoy that more?" That
0: that makes <laughs> me think of uh, 50/50. Do you remember that movie? Not really. Okay, it's a. Uh... Seth Brogan and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Okay. And he gets uh some sort of crazy cancer in his back. Yeah, yeah. It's an awesome movie, dude.
1: I don't think I ever saw it. I remember
0: you telling me about it though. You should watch it. Anyway, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character gets this some sort of spinal cancer. Seth Rogan calls it stage four back cancer. <laughs> which which <laughs> is funny in its simplicity. But he uh Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is like His girlfriend is cheating on him. She's a terrible girlfriend. And Seth Rogen gets some weed because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is dying of cancer. He's too afraid to go get his own weed. All right. And this is in Washington, so anything goes, really. Uh, And his ex-girlfriend walks in one day, and she's like, are you smoking weed? (gasps) And he's like, yeah, I have cancer. And uh, Seth Rogen's character is like, yeah. And I have night blindness. That's why I have weed. Night blindness. Night blindness. I can't see at night. Yeah, like, yeah. my rods and cones are messed up, and this fixes it as he's, like, ripping from the bar. I
1: wonder how many people admit to having general anxiety, lack of sleep, bad backs. Like, I don't have much of an appetite. How, do you have anything that could make a microwave burrito taste good? Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if it'll happen in Alabama, though. I was saying uh, on Friday that that is one war that has been lost. The war and pot, and I'm not even talking about like all the states that have legalized it or the Great White North or other countries, you know, Canada. Right. It, yeah.
0: You went with a fantasy name. Yeah, I went to take off to the Great White North. What is Alabama then, if it had a fantasy name? Oh, 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 oh.
1: the land of mounds. No, that's Moundville. That's only one part of Alabama. Yeah. I don't know. I would have to... I would have, I would have, I'm have. I'd having trouble. <sighs> I'm having trouble with coming up with a fantasy name for Alabama. The land of a 10,000 10, churches. Because <laughs> this true. city alone, this whole area, has about 1,000. I, I looked was, it up. I was
0: driving down uh, Taylor Road between East Chase and Vaughn, and it, there was like a series of churches. And I, it was the first time I had looked and made the observation like, wow, this... The, these are stacked and they they like get their shapes are progressively different mm-hmm. depending on the type of church and one of them we vote at and that yeah. got moved to the church across the street
1: right well, it really is all sorts of churches around here but yeah it's the great white north like to the great, white north. Getty Lee. To
0: the great white north just sounds like some some game of thrones stuff
1: yeah it does. But yeah, Canada's legalized it. I'm not talking about legalization, though, medical or recreational cannabis. I just mean that on the government's own merits, like we're going to prohibit this substance, this plant, cannabis. Mm -hmm. And we're going to lock people up if they have a certain amount. If you try to sell it, we're going to lock people up. We're going to stop the populace from partaking and doing whatever it is they do with this wacky-backy. And no, you've, how many years have you been fighting this? 70, 80 years? Yeah. It hadn't worked. You've jazz, lost.
0: Jazz lettuce always wins. Yeah,
1: you lost.
0: It's, jazz lettuce. I don't think that's... Jazz lettuce. I don't think that's a colloquialism, but... No, I think it is. It should be.
1: The stickiest of the ickiest. Oh, there's the devil's lettuce, good, and then there's... Good, good, good. There's jazz something. Jazz cabbage. Yeah, jazz cabbage. Jazz cabbage. Yeah. Yeah, Liddy Bruce's inspiration. Yeah, how about that? Okay. So... I've been talking about that. I I think that's a lost war. Yeah. Indeed. This month of entertainment again we got WrestleMania this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Auburns in the final four for the first time in history. That was so amazing. It really is. I just I've been bricking it watching
0: from the round of 64 all the way to this Final Four.
1: I mean... Um, bricking it. Okay, New Mexico State, you're like, okay, you'd expect Auburn teams of the past to win. That. We should have lost that, too. Right. They choked it away, and then all of a sudden, Auburn was like, oh, boy. Yeah, but think of these names. Auburn, in terms of college basketball and prestige, Auburn has beaten Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Whoa! The three winningest programs. It's unreal. And so, what an investment bringing Bruce, Bruce Pearl to campus as yeah. Auburn's head coach for basketball. Because when we were going to Auburn... <laughs> we had I, Tony Barbie. Did we ever go to a game? No. No. Because we were garbage. It was terrible. Yeah. But the new arena is fantastic. The new coach really knows what he's doing. It took a few years with his own recruiting. Recruiting's only going to get better whether or not they win in the Final 4 Mm-hmm. So I think Auburn basketball is going to be a... Have you ever listened to Bruce talk outside of a
0: basketball setting? I don't believe I have. That man could sell you a 1997 Nissan Altima with 100,000 miles for (laughs) 80 grand.
1: (laughs) He's a great salesman, I guess. He's a
0: great salesman. He could make you believe that you could jump out of the stadium. Hmm. He's a really great motivator, and he's a good human being. Right, right, right. That sounds right. so tacky saying that out loud, but
1: no, I that, like Bruce. That's what it takes. I mean, it's always the people can know the X's and O's. They can know how to move something on the court, but the talent of being a people person, knowing how to sell people, but also inspire a little bit of fear, so you can do what you want. Like it takes a lot of nuance, especially to be a, a basketball coach. It's such an intimate group. Mm-hmm. Like you're not talking about many people on the team. So no, hats off to Auburn War Eagle. Uh, good to see my old uh, school doing well. So I like that. And then I've been waiting for WrestleMania for months now. Looking forward to that first ever women's headlining main event.
0: Do they do cage matches for women?
1: They have. They, they have. have. They've done a Hell in the Cell match. I think the, it might have been Sasha Banks. Match? They've done ladder matches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're letting essentially it's no longer bra and panty matches. Which are still, like, I watched an old WrestleMania and there was a Braun and panty match. And I was like, well, this is just disgusting. Look at them objectifying these incredibly hot, gorgeous women. Mm-hmm. What
0: website is that on? So I know never to go there.
1: Uh, WWE. <laughs> WWE Network, it's Good. on there. shame on them. WrestleMania 18 or something like
0: WWE. that. <laughs> WWE.com? I'm never, are you sure? Is there an HTTP? No, just get the
1: S- WWE Network, and you can find all sorts of stuff. I'm just never... I, that's so disgusting. I mean, there's one RAW where Vince dropped the N-word. Really? Yeah. Where he's, like, talking to John Cena. And he's like, what up, my N-word? And Cena kind of backs up, and the camera turns, and it's Booker T just giving Vince the best <laughs> stare. It's like, sucker, what are you doing?
0: Booker, but- Booker T's a scary man. Uh, like... I don't realize how huge he is until he's yeah. really standing next to a normal person. Obviously, in the ring, he just looks like a normal, swole wrestler. But standing next to like an interviewer, it's like, God, is he like six eight?
1: Right. Well, and what's funny to me about wrestling, the people who constantly remind us that it's scripted, fake is the word they want to use. Well, gravity's not fake. A lot of these moves, yes, they're they're selling it. it's, it's a work, but it still hurts. Like when you a power bomb still hurts, surprise, surprise. When you get thrown to the mat, but the people that are constant remind people it's fake are also the first to jump on and go, "Oh my goodness, Vince McMahon can't say that on his television program." It's like you do know he's playing a bad guy. Like it's scripted. Like they, they I don't hear those same complaints about Game of Thrones. Like they chop that man's head off in an unjustified manner. Like yeah, it's scripted television. Didn't happen live though, right? This is the thing. For all the folks say it's fake, they still get their boxers in a butt bundle. Whenever it's like all oh, that cross the line, guys, they're playing a character. Like uh, it's it's funny how those folks still get hooked.
0: You know, I'm I'm sort of in the opposite camp. Um, like I feel that you can do whatever you want in yeah. wrestling. Like it's I'm not going to get upset by it or anything. It's just so not on my radar.
1: Right. Right.
0: The only wrestling talk or anything that I observe in wrestling, besides from me telling you about that satirical article about them canceling WrestleMania because an investigation <laughs> determined that wrestling was rigged, um, it's just not even on my radar. So, like, I, it's, it's, well, it prob- it's probably like soccer's not on your radar.
1: Right. right. And it wasn't on my radar until like about three, four years ago. I just got sucked in. And initially, it was a nostalgia play, and now I, I love it. Yeah, when I was a kid, the NWO and uh, oh, yeah, the Wolfpack. Oh, the NWO Wolfpack. Yeah, Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, what is it, Conan? He was the Mexico heavyweight champion. Uh, I, I, and you probably remember Conan if you remember the Wolfpack. Okay. He was a big part of the Wolfpack. I remember Sting coming in from, like, the rafters. Yeah, that was a great, with great a angle. With a bat. Mm-hmm. And there was one time
0: he was wearing a mask, and someone took his mask off, and it was the exact same face, but it was painted on him <laughs>
1: underneath. And then there are fake stings, <laughs> and yes. it's like, oh, it's just silly, good fun. So I'm looking forward to that Sunday. But then you also have, like, again, the last season of Game of Thrones, which is going to be utterly epic. And I just finished. Jonathan, I just finished rewatching all the seasons before this one. Finished it last night, and so I'm primed and ready. And I'm impressed. Like, they took what is a huge story, condensed it down, and if you watch from season one, they knew what they were going to do in season eight. Like, it is all tied together very, very well. Yeah. Some TV shows, you see they, they get success. It's like any Aaron Sorkin show. Like, the first three or four seasons are great, and they kind of lose their way because they didn't expect to survive for that long. And that's a problem with a lot of TV shows. Not Game of Thrones. They really plan this out. HBO's got a lot... Going on, and then Avengers Endgame, the final Avengers is coming on, and yes, Troy is being a little distracted because this is apparently the big news of the day that uh, Joe Biden. I promise you, the president has a big stick. It's creepy. That was that
0: picture was so. It was oh. like it was a still shot, but the camera itself was still
1: zooming in on him. Have you it's not? Fox if you just type in "creepy Joe Biden." Like, there's a lot. It's people aren't making this stuff up. Now, is it as bad as other things? Of course not. It could be a lot worse. But it could be a, a priest. Right. Or it could be, you know, a big Hollywood movie producer or a world famous comedian who's America's dad, so to speak. Or it could be, you know, Bill Clinton hooking up with an intern in the Oval Office. Yeah. It you know, could be any of these things. Could be worse. I mean, yeah, that's it, what we're saying. It could, what could be today. a lot worse. But it is also like if I'm a handler for Joe Biden. Really? Yeah, if I'm a handler. That's not a double entendre. No, not at all. Okay. If I'm a handler. Right. It's for just be-
0: earlier we were talking about the month coming.
1: Right. No, it's none of that. Get your mind out of the gutter, my good friend. And you said utterly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> If I'm Biden's handler, at this point it's like Joe, Joe. No, not no. Get your nose out of that woman's hair. Just ask her what her shampoo is. Don't sniff it, you weirdo.
0: This is L'Oreal for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Herbal Essence.
0: <laughs> That's a good product.
1: No, there are several clips. I just saw them. like new senators are being sworn in, or a new cabinet member is being sworn in. When he, he goes, goes for the ear whisper, and he goes for the little girls. What? He doesn't. Do, and let's be clear, he's not fondling anybody. But like, there are several videos of like the little girls as part of the family. Like the new senator or cabinet member has a daughter. He'll go up and like whisper in their ear, or if he's behind them, he'll like pull their hair back and pull it back behind their shoulders and kind of rub their shoulders or whatever. It's a very Adam's it's, family. It's odd. And again, it's not, to the, it's not crossing a line of like, whoa, they're pervert, but it's when you see image after image after image after image, it's like, please, please, Mr. Vice President, stop sniffing the candidate's hair. You're supposed to do a stump speech, not kiss her on the head.
0: Like, oh, God. I guess that's just the thing he does.
1: Yeah, and that's what he said today. He's like, I've always had a... He, I think he said touchy-feely approach on the campaign trail. Like, he's always, like, hugging... He's like one of the Charmin bears, you know? After they have a good poop and a good nice wipe with Charmin Soft and they're all, like, hugging each other and walking around, like... Whereas mm-hmm, where's Trump clean. is, like, Ted? The movie Ted? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Trump is, like, Ted. <laughs> that, that stuffed teddy bear that came to life. He really is, but... It, yeah, I can't believe that's big news, though we saw it coming. It's, Joe Biden is flirting with the idea. Yeah, you heard me. He's flirting with the idea of running for president. He's never been successful on his own. He just he just isn't he needs a
0: He needs a bump.
1: hmm He needs a bump. Well, not that kind of bump. The, the people bump. Right. He needs the people to back him or he needs Barack Obama to pull him up. Yeah, hey, Joe, duke it up. You can be by VP, not right? a not a baby bump, but a people bump. Well, and Biden tends to exaggerate. All politicians tend to exaggerate things, but Biden, when he does it, he gets uh, true. That I was in the Situation Room, and I watched President Obama. Are you talking like this better ring than something inside of me. No, he, he was wringing his hands. But I tell you, when he made that call to send in those two SEAL teams to take out Osama bin Laden, that was the gutsiest call in a thousand years. And it's like, well, maybe D-Day was a little gutsier of a call. I don't know.
0: But they didn't have, like, a situation room with a live feed. No, I think they did. Well, D- they
1: claimed they, they did. They did, did. Not,
0: they did not have a live
1: they feed. They claim they did. I'm sure they had. They came out with a photo, and it's like Hillary sitting there and Joe and Barack. And D-Day, Joey. Oh, D-Day. I thought you were talking about the Bin Laden raid.
0: Oh, no, that, yes, they had a situation room. <laughs> D-Day, they did not have a situation room.
1: I doubt they did. I mean, that comes all after that. That's when the national security state really gets going. But uh, I want to get off all this national politics crap, get to something really serious. Be-
0: before you, you get to the serious Okay, part, go ahead. Uh, can we at some point talk about semantic satiation? Because I found a word today...
1: Semantic that, satiation?
0: Yeah, that I'm really susceptible to. So being satisfied by certain words? So have you ever said a word, and then you say it in your head over and over and over again, and it loses its meaning? Like taboo? Yes, Girdle. Girdle. Girdle got me today. (laughs) Yeah. Because I kept, kept, there's there's a lot in those syllables. Girdle.
1: Well, and there are certain uh, idioms, certain series of words that they're so old, they're around, so you know them. But they're so old, you also really don't know their meaning when you just look at them literally.
0: Like, for example?
1: Gird your loins.
0: Yeah. And you can't, it's hard to say that normal. Right. You, you normally have to be like that uh, Scottish janitor from The Simpsons.
1: Good, your loins. Gird your loins. Good, your loins. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Or well, you could be Bonnie Sanders. Good, <laughs> your loins. We're taking on the billionaires. So wrap up those loins, gird them well. We're going into battle against the work, uh, the middle, uh, uh, we're the middle class. We're well, not fighting the middle class. I bet Bernie does use a girdle. Mm hmm. Or here's another one. And this is one that made us in 7th grade, I believe, just giggle with glee. Feel your oats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher didn't understand why all the young men in the class were giggling. Yeah. I,
0: re- yeah, <laughs> I remember Michael. <laughs> yeah.
1: Feel your oats. All right, teach. <laughs> it was Mrs. Enzer. But let's not go far from this topic. It is a story from CNN. About a big controversy happening on the campus of Notre Dame.
0: Nothing good ever happens there, Joey. Do you know why? Hmm. It's because they decided to name the town South Bend. There's no North Bend. I mean, there might be. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with it.
1: What, was it named after Clinton? South Bend. Anyway. That does seem like Clinton's grading on a curve, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. He's got a little English in him. (laughs) Or two of them. Anyway, the photo is what caught my attention. Yeah, It's uh, two young ladies Who look somewhat fit Wearing like workout clothes Today's modern workout clothes Okay And here's the quote Leggings are so naked So form-fitting So exposing Uh Could you think of the mothers of sons The next time you go shopping And consider choosing jeans instead A Catholic mother wrote Mm. Marianne White Yeah, She urged female students to stop wearing leggings or yoga pants in a letter to the editor this week in The Observer, a student newspaper serving the University of Notre Dame, St. Mary's, and Holy Cross Colleges. She said young women wearing leggings make it harder for men not to look at their bodies. She said she was ashamed for the women she saw wearing leggings and crop tops at a Catholic mass she attended. You couldn't help but see those blackly naked rear ends. I think she's... She's getting a little older. She's kind of flocking to... I don't know. Anyway. I didn't want to see them, but they were unavoidable. How much more difficult for young guys to ignore them? Seriously, let me read that first sentence again, folks. This is a mom... Talking about a Catholic mass she went to, you couldn't help but see those blackly naked rear ends.
0: I, I have a couple things to say about this, Joey. Yeah. Well, firstly, uh, methinks the lady doth protest too much.
1: That's what I was getting at.
0: But have you ever been so afraid to confront your own thinking on something that you decided instead it was better to change everyone else's way of thinking? This seems like a problem with human nature, really, yeah. because you see it in the left and the right on politics. Mm-hmm. They would rather determine that someone does something for you, whether it be from a central government standpoint or from a moralistic standpoint, depending on if you're looking at it from the left or the right. But rather than confronting your own feelings about something, and you and I typically with our live and let live attitude... Sure. Yeah. We're not going to sit there and say, this has to change. Right. The whole thing, top to bottom. Right. This woman... Instead of letting these young women that she's looking at wear what they want, she's so worried that boys are going to look at them because she's looking right. Obviously everybody else is looking. I mean,
1: just look at your butts young nine ladies. times out of ten.
0: she's probably right. But that's one step that's a, I'm going to be a little on the nose here. Mm-hmm. That's a stone's throw away <laughs> from what happens in Sharia law. Mm. That's a stone's throw away
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from
0: making women cover their faces. I see what you did there. I'm not sure if I'm offended
1: or not, but her... We're not in Brunei, so... Okay, what she wrote started a backlash. Really? Yes. This is when our heroine steps in. Not the type of heroine that, you know, is causing an epidemic around the country. That's not stepping anywhere. No, no. Our heroine, Ann Jarrett. She's a junior majoring in philosophy... And my God, gender studies. She's also an activist at Irish for Reproductive Health, a campus advocacy group for reproductive rights. Interesting. She helped create the protest in a Facebook event called Leggings Pride Day. See, you know, I was against the mom protest too much about the 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 church the the butts in church. But uh now we're going to have a leggings pride day? See, we
0: simply commented on what
1: that mother said.
0: Mm-hmm. We didn't really
1: get too fired up about it. No, I'm not fired up at all.
0: But this this woman who created this protest, it really revved her engine.
1: Yeah, she's 21, so the engine's already, it's kind of perpetually revved when you're 21. It's true. Unless you are you know fighting the war on pot in favor of pot. Then it might not be quite as revved. But Janet, or excuse me, Jarrett, who's 21, wasn't surprised by the mother's point of view because she heard similar arguments in catechism classes and in Catholic school while growing up. There's a double standard around modesty, she said. The way that the mother used modesty in the letters, a sort of like a call to women to do better, was the same argument I had seen a lot. So, but here, it's the argument itself makes no sense to me because I am. As far as I know, a a hetero male. Yeah. Like, I'm a straight guy. I notice leggings. Right. I notice butts. Yoga pants. Yeah. But, she said, wear jeans instead. I'm still going to notice butts if you're wearing jeans. Yeah. Unless they're, like, ultra-baggy mom jeans. Even then, I'm probably going to... If you wore, like, Puritan outfits, you know what men would do? They'd go, hey, Troy... Look at her ankle, man. That ankle is so hot. It's. I think it's
0: common knowledge at this point, and I'm going to use a, a, a phrase from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," that men are masters of the ocular pat down.
1: Yes, indeed. It's well. It's what it allowed us to hunt in the wild. You we're know, with our eyes, we see the target.
0: We're assessing threats.
1: Right. And Amongst then, other things. Then you get that you know, sixth sense. You get that peripheral vision, like that fly over there on the television camera right now. Mm-hmm. Did you actually look over there? I did. I, yeah, I, I, I took a left. But then here it gets worse. I'll show you another, another uh, photo here. This is, um, this is a guy. During uh, leggings? Leggings Pride Day. Is
0: he wearing leggings?
1: Yes. Cool. He says, I love purple. I love leggings. It stands to reason that I love purple leggings. I, I, too, like all of those things. But on a more serious note, let's all try a bit harder not to shame people for what they choose to wear. Fashion is a multi-party activity. Sometimes it's the observing party who needs a reality check with love from China. So you're wearing purple leggings in China? I guess he's on some, like, teaching English. It could be. If it's possible. Would you wear leggings? I would wear leggings. I mean, I'm wearing yeah, you,
0: stretchy pants right you've now. You've worn compression shorts before, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've worn leggings and then shorts over them. Yeah, like I, don't, on a, I don't
0: think I would... Uh, what's it? Uh, hose or stocking?
1: Yeah. Um. I Like thermal I, underwear. Oh, those are a little loose. Yeah, well, you'd like them to be, or else you'd chafe. Well, you got to trap the warmth.
0: Yeah. Thermal underwear is amazing, by the way. Yeah, on a cold day... But I would would wear leggings. I don't think I would do it uh, without shorts over it because I
1: do not want... Mm -hmm. uh, It's not really about the back.
0: There's there's stuff going down on the front, you know? Right.
1: It's it's not really about the back. But anyway, it just seemed silly to me because I'm reading this going, oh, that woman. What? That mother... Get over it and stop looking at the girls' butts in church, lady. Mm -hmm. Focus on the Eucharist or something, or the liturgy of the word. All right, supposed to be paying attention to God. Stop looking at their butts. But then I see the backlash. I'm like, really? (laughs) 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 Really? (laughs) You're you're posting photos of yourself wearing leggings on Twitter. Backlash. Yeah. (laughs) Your puns are on point today. It's just... Good God. I, I we agree. have it so good. But, Joey... This is what people are arguing over, that we have it so good.
0: The guy in the purple leggings, mm-hmm. from just as an observer, the guy in the purple leggings does not need to win points with the mother. No. But instead, if he could win points with the activist...
1: Right, oh, that's what he's going for.
0: That would be advantageous for him, mm-hmm. being in college. Right redlining all the time. Engines revved. Yeah. And how simple is it to show you're an activist than to put on purple leggings? I would have done that in a heartbeat, bro. Yeah. I mean, I probably... I, didn't, I don't have Instagram. I've never had Instagram, so I probably wouldn't post that on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything.
1: You're telling me if this had happened when we were at Albert and it was leggings pride day, we would have sported leggings. No, we wouldn't have. We would have mocked it Got some wine and watch TV. Well, it depends. <laughs>
0: we damn sure would have been observing.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. We—that's well, us. We're like uh, Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. Except less gay. Are they gay? Uh, there's rumors. We're talking about the two old men um, puppets in the Muppet Show. You know, sit there in the balcony. I had, no, I had no idea. They were that's good. us. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't think they are. They're—they're they're puppets. I mean, Bert and Ernie, I suppose, but. We've been accused of being gay. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. It's interesting how people are like, they have that radar, they just want to say it. It's kind of like the woman with the... Like, oh, yeah. how can young men pay attention if you're just gallivanting with your tight pants on and your nice backsides like I used to have? Or never had. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a sign of progress, ladies and gentlemen. If this is what people are complaining about on college campuses. No, that's not a sign of progress. I think it is. I think it is a huge sign of progress. I think the more petty the conversations become, it shows that we don't have to worry about too much, so we Uh, worry about new things.
0: Until those people get so fired up that Mm -hmm. we have this new wave of Puritanism that we're just now getting over.
1: Right. Right. It's a weird type of Puritanism, though. Yeah. Because it's like Sex positive and wear whatever you want, but then we're gonna criticize the most nuanced aspects of language. You better have the correct pronouns and oh that. don't ever say anything unwanted to somebody like it's just uh, microaggressions and whatnot. yeah it's just uh, it's a weird time. I think things are pretty good, so people look for things that they want to be upset about right because the really basic things are taken care of. Fair it's, point. it's aggravating, but it could be worse. I'm going to get worked up about it. Well, I'll let you do that during the break. We'll let's get be, worked up. Yeah, let's get worked up. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Welcome back. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, which is in part brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He's an all-around real estate agent. I've been telling you his story over these last few months, that he changed his own life by investing in real estate property. Started managing them, went from one to two to ten, so he could quit his regular job. And then he's like, well, I'm doing this, and I've learned all these things, managing all these homes, buying all these properties. Why not become a real estate agent? So he went to the Bo Goodson School of Real Estate, and he's become a very successful real estate agent, helping people buy and sell homes all around the river region. I mean, one thing that's coming up, especially as it heats up out there weather-wise, is uh, pontoon boat tours on the lake. Because, you know, if you've ever been to a lake house, it's usually some winding road. It takes a while once you get off the main highways to get back there, and that's kind of the point. But in order for people to get a look at several different lakeside properties, he'll have you go to his lake house, his very own, hop on the pontoon boat, and you'll just dock at different places real quick. Yeah, especially, it's a great idea if you've been successful in life or retirement home, or maybe you just want to get out of the city a little bit. Eddie Bader with the Goods and Group is your man to do it. Take you on a pontoon boat tour, and who knows, there might be cracking open a beer. No promises. None of that. But if you're looking to sell your home, Eddie Bader can help you out with pulling off a successful open house. Here are the sort of repairs and renovations you need to do before you ever put the house on the market. Uh, he knows what he's doing, and he knows all the great things you can do and all the problems you might want to avoid when buying or selling a home. So if you are interested, looking to buy or sell a home, you need a real estate agent, give Eddie Bader with the Goods Group a call. His number is 322-0662. Again, that number for Eddie Bader with the Goods Group, 322-0662. <sighs> now, I saw this over the weekend, and it's just... It's becoming, I think, just absurd on its face. Like, capitalism. I'll just read the the headline. Forbes magazine recently published an article titled, Unless it changes, capitalism will starve humanity by 2050. Okay. Does it talk about how? It says... Capitalism starts, he starts by claiming capitalism has failed to improve human well-being at scale. And the article I'm reading from, from humanprogress.org, great website, is that assertion is easily refuted by evidence. Over the last few decades, for instance, hundreds of millions of people were lifted out of extreme poverty. Like, out of subsistence, I don't know what I'm eating tomorrow side of poverty. I don't have clothes. I barely have shelter. In fact, the share of the world's population, as well as the total number of people living in poverty, is at an all-time low in human history. Despite the population increase of 143% since 1960. So not only do we have 143% more people on Earth, those people are being lifted out of poverty like never before pretty Much due to market reforms and capitalism.
0: I think it's, I think the article makes a fairly good point. Capitalism has not helped anybody. Instead, I think we should look at how thriving some of these socialist nations
1: are. And we'll see <laughs> that. Uh, oh, they're doing well. Yeah. Like North Korea, they're gangbusters, man. Yeah. All day, every day. North Korea, you have
0: Venezuela right now, really thriving. They're, they're, they're doing a really good job of community activism. And
1: I think if, if we look at... Yeah, community activism? Yeah. Like you care and you organize people and say, we can do... Their citizens are on the move. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and he, this guy goes on to say capitalism is killing off species. That's, that's true. It's true to a degree... If you look at, like, how many species are dying off, and this is what the guy writes. He says, quote, Species are going extinct at a rate 1,000 times faster than that of the natural rate. Now, Matt Ridley, who I love, this guy, he wrote a book called The Rational Optimist, I believe. Right. um, Holds a doctorate degree in zoology from the Oxford University, from Oxford University. He says, quote, There is now a routine claim that extinction rates are running 100 to 1,000 times their normal rates because of human interference. There is no doubt, writes Mr. Ridley, that humans have caused a pulse of extinction, especially by introducing rats, bugs, and weeds to oceanic islands at the expense of the endemic species. But now that most of these accidental introductions to islands have happened... The rate of extinctions is dropping, not rising, at least among birds and mammals. Bird and mammal extinctions have peaked at 1.6 a year around 1900 and have since dropped to about 0.2 a year. He also notes, and this is the interesting trend, that extinction rates has, have fallen even further in the most industrialized countries where people tend to care more about environmental stewardship. He himself has worked on various projects to help endangered birds. Capitalism, by creating wealth and enabling humanity to move past worries of basic survival, has helped us to preserve other species. And this can go to the forest. The guy who was writing in Forbes said that you know capitalism is deforesting the earth. says that 6 million hectares of forest are being lost every year. While forest area is slowly declining, there are plenty of reasons for optimism. In a recent paper, the... ...for the Breakthrough Institute. What a name. Environmental scientist Jesse... Ossobel, ...that's an interesting last name... ...describes how as countries grow wealthier... ...and their populations come to care more about the environment... ...forest rebound. Forester, foresters refer to forest transition... ...when a nation goes from losing to gaining forested area. In 1830, in France, for example... ...France recorded the first forest transition... Since then while the population of France has doubled French forests have also doubled. In other words forests lost decoupled from population Measure- yes, except for two periods in the great war and world war. II. Well yes that was a uh, that's a whole, that I can't I don't think that can be blamed on capitalism. No you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I think that has more to do with the uh, crazy governments. In their crazy dreams of conquering the earth. But the idea is simply this. Is that, yes, capitalism has its cost like everything in life. But it because it makes us wealthier and allows people to have basic means of survival, it allows you to worry about things like leggings. Or for instance, the big one is child labor. Kids were toiling away in the factories and the farms until the government came around a to- Passed a law, said no more child labor. They did pass a law, saying no more child labor, but child labor had already been falling at a ridiculous rate because of capitalism.
0: I thought it was because they killed off
1: the weak. <laughs> right, yeah, well, that's the number one goal of capitalism, just survival of the fittest, kill them off. No, it's the idea of, for most of human history, kids have been treated like chattel property. Kids have been treated as little workers. And whatever thing there been you know, you needed the kids working on the farm. And then it kinda transitioned into the factories. But as people became wealthier through capitalism, there's no need for it. And they remember working as a kid and they didn't like it. So I don't want to do this for my kids. Now the law might have shoved some people forward, but it had already been to a near zero rate before the law was ever passed. And it's the same thing with a lot of advances. That you need the material wealth and growth before you can have so-called progressive social reforms. It's true. And it's a hard fact for a lot of people to realize, because it's ugly. You think just with the, you know, we had a vote, and we decided that this is how society's going to be. It's not that simple. It's never that simple. It's ugly, the change towards a better world. So, here's the one claim, too. Does capitalism make people poorer? Is this
0: from the same article?
1: Yes, yeah, citing the 2014 US census, Hansen, the author of the Forbes article, notes that 15% of Americans live in poverty. The census defines poverty as an income of less than 12 grand a year for a single-person household or $33 a day. But what does it mean to be poor in America? As the Mercatus Center economist Steve Horowitz writes, "...poor U.S. households are more likely to have basic appliances than the average household of the 1970s, and those appliances are of much higher quality. In 1984, for example, 83% of all households in the United States owned a refrigerator. By 2005, 99% of poor American households owned a refrigerator." The evidence of an improving standard of living for poor Americans is abundant and available to those willing to see it. Hansen fails to mention that living on $33 a day is not poverty by historical standards either. Throughout most of human history, almost everyone lived in extreme poverty. Only the last two centuries has wealth dramatically increased. Early adopters of capitalism, such as the United States, have seen their average income skyrocket. And he also, this author doesn't put American poverty in global perspective. $33 per person per day would be considered luxurious in the developing world. Now, it doesn't mean, like, that's, you should be satisfied with $33 a day.
0: Yeah, you're not going to be able to get by on $33 a day in San Francisco.
1: No, not at all. Well, but some of this stuff is so simple. It's like, I just saw an interview with Thomas Sowell, and he was laughing, kind of at... The government in San Francisco put together like a commission to figure out why are housing prices so high? It's like you could have learned this in economics 101. Mm-hmm. When you restrict the supply of something and you increase the population, so you're saying to people, no, this is not zoned for new homes. And you have to build homes to this degree or at this price level. And people keep coming into the city. Yes, the cost of housing will skyrocket and you'll have a homeless problem. It's obviously, folks, basic economics. And it's, but no, the government's going to appoint a bunch of people that they'll pay to figure this out. It's because they, they budgeted it for that. Right. And then my good friend Jeffrey Tucker put out a fantastic article <clears throat> today about inequality. And his point is we've never had less inequality in human history. Well, let's, let's put it the title of his piece is Wealth Has Never Been More Equal. Now, he talks about what we just mentioned, that the bottom of humanity is rising and rising and rising. If you look at the global population, the bell curve is a huge middle hump. It's not like now there are definitely the top 1% or one-tenth of the 1% that are making a lot of money. But Tucker goes on beyond just the material. He says, let's take a deeper look at the core assumption that material wealth is what we should should be the measure of equality another form of wealth concerns the information to which we have access in some ways information the opportunity to access it and the capacity to contribute to humanity's stock of it is far more important to our lives than material wealth Information is the building block of culture. It provides a roadmap to success. It helps us live better lives. Where do we stand with information sharing, the distribution of the most valuable commodity? There has never been more access. Access to what? To what the whole of humanity has learned and knows. I mean, he puts it this way. I'm sitting here at an airport where people are waiting for planes. Every single person is using a tool that is a portal to all the world's information. And many of them are likely adding to that information pool right now. This is happening despite income disparities, accidents of birth, or even income. The points of access and the price of that access, free for the most part, has dropped in price to the point that no person is excluded. It's true on the streets, at the mall, at restaurants, everywhere you look. 99% of Americans have internet access. Or excuse me, 90% of Americans have internet access. And three quarters have a smartphone. This is a record and a trend driven by deregulation and market forces. It's a beautiful thing. And it's also brought more equality to society. And He says, consider this. 30 years ago... What we knew was controlled by only those who had privileged access. They were the writers of books, the journalists published in magazines, and the people on the few television networks. Their communication with us was one way. We could not talk back to this elite. They talked and we listened. Our capacity to contribute was limited to sharing with people only around us, unless we wrote letters delivered after a long wait via a government employee. The reality is within the living memory of most people alive today. Then he goes into this thing about uh, Isidore of Seville. In the 6th century set out to assemble all the world's knowledge in a single book. The result was etymologia. It was the project of a lifetime. and It became the essential book of learning during the whole of the Middle Ages. Only the privileged few could have access. Mass ownership of books wasn't really possible until the 19th century. So now we carry countless expanded versions of this Middle Age classic. ...in our pockets pretty much every day. We can take a course on MIT. or All sorts of portals of information are open to us. Uh, and then he quotes Hayek. He says this. "says And this is Frederick Hayek, the Nobel Prize winner. The growth of knowledge is of such special importance... ...because while the material resources will always remain scarce... ...and will have to be reserved for limited purposes... ...the use of new knowledge, where we do not make them artificially scarce... ...by patents of monopoly... Are unrestricted. Knowledge, once achieved, becomes gratuitously available for the benefit of all. It is through this free gift of knowledge acquired by the experiments of some members of society that general progress is made possible, that the achievements of those who have gone before facilitate the advance of those who follow. So, in many regards, we have access to more knowledge everywhere in human history. That, I mean, the equality of that access is unreal, and that you know tucker points out we get things like cultural appropriation so if you go learn about a different culture and you might incorporate it into your life that's now considered like a thought crime or a terrible sin against somebody's culture and it's it's unreal and i just like perspectives like this because it seems everybody is looking at whatever the system is In my mind, it's not as free as I would like it to be. Right. But everybody's looking at the system as it is and going, that's not fair. It's rigged. And I want to make a point I made the other day. Even if the system was perfectly fair, perfectly equitable, people would complain it's not fair and not equitable. And if I look at myself, And I say, I'm not where I want to be in life. Is it because the government has sapped our freedoms? No. Maybe to a degree, but not really. The biggest obstacles in my way are the ones I usually have created. Or failed to be proactive on something. Or it's tend to that problem that's growing and festering. So I would say to the folks who think the system for whatever way, and you can cut this all sorts of different ways, the system's rigged, it's unfair or whatever. Do you even think you have the means of taking that on if you're already putting obstacles in front of yourself? And so you hope for a champion to take it on for you. I just think that people get way too quick to say "world's corrupt, things are unfair, things are rigged and we got to change it somehow, tear it down, tear it down." Tear it down. Yeah. Watch the world burn and it's just number 1, it like this Forbes article it's just wrong. Like, um, the evidence doesn't show anything he's claiming to be true. Poverty is the natural state of man. Suffering is the natural state of man. That's been most of human history. Mm -hmm. And now the poorest in America live better than kings or queens hundreds of years ago. That's the brilliance of capitalism when you take that wide perspective. Is there still suffering in the world? Yes. And we should try to fix it. There's still problems where people are getting unequal privileges and taking advantage of others. Yeah. We should try to stop it. But when you take this holistic save the world or tear it down approach, you're probably gonna make things a lot worse, not only for society, but for yourself. Yeah, I mean
0: in a in a resource scarce world, or rather a resource finite world, there is always going to be a exploitation yeah especially when the biodiversity of humanity and life in general is so different across all the biomes that we have
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there's only one rainforest like giant rainforest there's only one Amazon right there's a lot of trees there trees make a lot of products People are going to exploit that land for its products. Yes. If I were him, my critique of capitalism would be that it allows for exploitation in non-industrialized or pre-industrial countries. Yes. In a way that gives unfettered access to a finite amount of resources... And in a way that is bad faith. I say bad faith in that you could deforest the entire Amazon rainforest. There would be huge problems. Yes. Especially with like palm oil and stuff. That's specific to a different argument though. And there's no way... It it, it takes a while to get that back. Just like with gasoline and crude oil. It takes a long time to get that back. Yes. reason we have coal now is because bacteria back when coal was being formed was it bacteria didn't have a way to break down decaying wood. There was no process of decay and then it became coal. Right. So I think if I were him, my argument would be we need to do a better job of not
1: destroying everything around us. Well, yeah, because number one, it would help us innovate and be even wealthier than we are. Right.